the Daily Logos, episode 11, the Sermon on the Mount, Christ Came to Fulfill the Law. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today we're going to continue working through the Sermon on the Mount. Christ's opening sermon in his ministry teaches us how to walk with God. So we're going to kind of work our way through that over the next couple podcasts. I want to start with opening scripture, and then we'll try to pull it apart and give us a better understanding of what Christ is telling us. I will preface this by saying, this is probably hands down the most misunderstood and mistaught part of being a Christian, which is why we've got to digest this with laser beam precision. So it's going to be lengthy in material, um, but I did that intentionally because this is so important to focus on because it's so often mistaught. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a very, very, very important topic to understand. So we're going to go through a couple commentaries and cross-compare it with other scripture. The first commentary is going to be from Chromatius of Aquilia. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um... It's relatively new material, so there's a lot of stuff I'm learning in school, so I'm trying to give you guys the the best information I can give you. This is what he said, Chromatius of Aquilia. While it is sinful to abolish the least of the commandments, the Holy Spirit affirms through Solomon, whoever despises the little things shall gradually die. Consequently, nothing in the divine commandments must be abolished and nothing altered. Everything must be preserved and taught faithfully and devotedly to the glory of the heavenly kingdom, so it may not be lost. Indeed, those things considered least important and small by the unfaithful or worldly are not small before God, but instead they are important and necessary. For the Lord taught the commandments, and he did them. Even small things point to the great future of the kingdom of heaven. For this reason, not only our words, but also our deeds are important. And you should not only teach, but what you teach, you should do also. So what Chromatius of Aquilia is saying is, nothing morally and ethically sound must be altered, changed, or removed. Rather, they are to be taught faithfully and devotedly with the aim to glorify God. We do this because we love Jesus Christ and because he commands us to obey scripture and his commandments. Right? If Jesus is Lord, when he tells us to do something, it's a commandment. It's not a mere suggestion. Let's see what some other commentaries say. The following information was taken from Matthew Matthew Henry's commentary. Let none suppose that Christ allows his people to trifle with any commands of God's holy law. No sinner partakes of Christ's justifying righteousness till he repents of his evil deeds. The mercy revealed in the gospel leads the believer to deeper self-aberrance. The law is the Christian's rule of duty, and he delights therein. If a man pretending to be Christ's disciple encourages himself or others 
in any allowed disobedience to the holy law of God, regardless of that person's position or reputation among men, he can be no true disciple of Christ. Christ's righteousness imputed to us by faith alone is needed by everyone that enters the kingdom of heaven. The new creation of the heart brings about holiness. It produces a thorough change of a man's conduct and motives. So, are you starting to get it? Are you starting to understand? I was lied to, and I don't know if you felt the same. And this may be a little bit of a shock to you, to anybody who's who's heard sermons on someone misteaching Paul. You're not under the law. You're not under the law. That's true, depending on what part of the law you're referring to. So I was lied to for a very long time, and thank God that I started school and started studying theology and apologetics, and I dug into the original manuscripts and, and got into these commentaries and looked at what the early church fathers were saying, as well as theologians and scholars, because it, I come to find out I have been deceived. And maybe you've been deceived also. If you have been deceived, it's not your fault. It's only your fault if you don't do anything about being deceived, whether it's from pastors, family, or friends. The whole idea that the church should preserve is to deny ourselves, turn away from sin, take up our cross, follow Christ, and use grace properly to bring about the obedience of faith. If someone teaches others not to obey the moral or ethical laws, they can't be considered a disciple of Christ. They are instead false teachers. When we truly give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to work in reshaping us to take every thought captive to obey Christ. When we become saved and the Holy Spirit begins a great work in our life, we delight in the obedience to God's moral and ethical laws. It brings us joy to do the right thing. That's what the law of liberty is. You do what you should do because it's good and you love Jesus and then it makes you happy. You delight in that. Let's look at another commentary. The following information was taken from David Guzik's commentary. Jesus, there's three things he mentioned and they're short. Jesus here began a long discussion of the law and wanted to make it clear that he did not oppose what he gave Israel in what we call the Old Testament. He did not come to destroy the word of God in its written form, but to free it from the way the Pharisees and scribes had wrongly interpreted it. So that's what the freedom of the law is. The mis you're free from the misinterpretation of the scribes and Pharisees and how it was falsely taught. Number two, the commandments are to be obeyed as explained and fulfilled by Jesus' life and teachings. He taught to obey the commandments. You know, I'll stop here real quick before you hit the third part. You know, in the gospel, when Jesus, the rich man, comes up to Jesus, Jesus and he says, good teacher, good teacher, and he says, and Jesus stops him and he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then the rich man went on to ask, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. You guys, this is not, it's a non-negotiable thing. It's non-negotiable. Number three from David Guzik's commentary. The law sends us to Jesus to be justified because it shows us our inability to please God in ourselves. But after we come to Jesus, he sends us back to the law to learn the heart of God so we can change our conduct and begin sanctification. So hopefully you guys are starting to see how important the law is when it's taught properly 
by the context in which Paul was talking. Now, let's go the, go over the last part, which is what it means to have righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, because that's what Christ said. You, your righteousness has to exceed that if you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It was in his sermon, right? The following information was taken from Barnes' notes on the Bible. Your righteousness means your holiness, your views of the nature of righteousness, and your conduct and your lives. Unless you are more holy than they are, you cannot be saved. Shall exceeds means. It means shall excel or abound more. The righteousness of true Christians is seated in the heart and therefore genuine. Jesus means that unless they have more real holiness of character than the scribes and Pharisees, they cannot be saved. The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is what this means. Their righteousness consisted in outward observances of the ceremonial and traditional law. They offered sacrifices, they fasted often, they prayed much, they were meticulous about washing their physical bodies, and they were meticulous about tithing and the ceremonies of religion, but they neglected the most important part of the law. It was the purpose of the law, which is justice, truth, purity, and holiness of the heart. Now, let me ask you this. Just think of this independently. Pretend you're God for just a brief moment. Would you care more about ceremonial laws or moral laws? Do you think God cares more about civil laws or ethical laws? Jesus upheld every single law. But he does not require Gentiles to uphold all 613. We are under the more, excuse me, we are under the moral and ethical law by process of upholding it through our obedience to the law of liberty. And again, the law of liberty is doing what is good and what you should do because it's the right thing to do. You don't just do what you want or do what you feel like you're doing, you want to do. You do what you should do because you love Jesus. That's the law of liberty. So what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to uphold the New Testament in relationship to the Old Testament minus the ceremonial and civil laws because we seek to abide in the love of Christ as it's taught in the Gospel of John. Now it would be fitting, I think, to revisit what we've said earlier. The law sends us to Jesus to be justified because it shows us our inability to please God by means of our own effort. After we come to Jesus, he sends us back to the law to learn the heart of God for our conduct and sanctification. We got to touch on faith because where all of this information is getting lost, I think, is because people don't articulate grace and faith properly. Biblical faith is trust, conviction, action, and obedience. It's the four pillars of faith. So let's uphold the law together and participate in the process of sanctification. So when we meet our Lord on the day of judgment, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You ran the race. Here is your inheritance. Let us not casually disobey Christ, the Ten Commandments, or any moral law, or his written word. Christ says in Luke 6.46, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? Folks, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. There's a lot of people who are avoiding the truth in, in North American, I don't even know what to call it. It's something like North American evangelical Protestant megachurches. It's something close to that. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I don't want this 
I don't want to scare you, right? This is not what this is. I want you to think about this from the standpoint of justice, right? So think about heinous crimes in the world that are committed. If all of the evil world, think about the worst, most heinous sins that you, that you could hate. What about all the pedophilia stuff that kind of came out? What kind of justice would you want served with all those children who've been sexually exploited? Now think about now from the, through the lens of God that all sin is equally wicked. Now, let's continue. Christ tells us in Luke 12, 47, And the servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready, or act according to his will, will receive severe discipline. So, you know, when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, if there are things that we still haven't done, we, things that we haven't repented from, got it out of our life and participated in the process of sanctification to glorify God, in, and we knew what God's will was in Scripture, or it doesn't even have to be Scripture. It could be conviction from the Holy Spirit, right? Because a lot of times people know when they're sinning. So I'm not telling you these things to scare you by blocking your movement forward, right? To talk about discipline that we may receive from Christ at the judgment seat, let's say. I'm not telling you these things to block your path and stop to scare you from moving forward. That's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you these things to get the fear of God and the beginning of wisdom behind you and have it impel you forward to take action and be sanctified. I'm telling you these, these things to remind you that we are all God's children and he wants to discipline us and make us holy the same way earthly fathers discipline their children so they can grow into decent human beings with order and holiness, not chaos and lawlessness, Folks, this is why true repentance is so important. Not just merely saying sorry or saying, I can just hit confession on Friday. Ah, it's all good, man. The priest will forgive me. Father, whoever will forgive me. I'll just hit confession on Friday. That's, that's legalism. That's legalism to avoid the truth by venture of loopholes or playing the system to our own advantage. Legalism is willingly disobeying God's word and thinking to ourselves, eh, I'll just say sorry and all is well. Folks, that's not the right way to look at it. Calculated disobedience is no joke to Christ. Go read Hebrews 10.26 if you think it's taken lightly. Folks, there's a reason a lot of truth is avoided in many modern megachurches or prosperity gospel churches. Many modern people want to hear their ears tickled. Excuse me, want to have their ears tickled. Many modern people want to feel good rather than confronting the parts of them that are unworthy of Christ. Many modern people want to hear God's love without any of his expectations. Many modern people want to hear about his grace without defining its purpose. Many modern people want to be praised rather than disciplined. Many modern people want to get love from God without loving him back or abiding in his love the way we're commanded to. There are warnings against this in scripture. Let us not be deceived by those who avoid the truth and teach falsehoods. Let's touch on faith again, because this is so important. We have to have faith memorized. Trust, conviction, action, and obedience. We must obey Christ in all moral and ethical laws, and that's the process of sanctification. If someone says the Bible is not a rule book, they teach biblical heresy. If someone says you don't have to obey God's moral and ethical laws, they teach biblical heresy. If someone teaches we are released from moral and ethical laws rather than the ceremonial and civil laws, they teach biblical heresy. 
The brother of Christ says in James 1.22, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James goes on to tell us, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres in it, being not merely a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Folks, the law of liberty is to do what is good and holy, which is what we should do, not what we want to, and not what we feel like doing. Through discipline, we'll learn to delight and find joy in being obedient to Scripture. When what we want matches what God wants, that's when we know our hearts and minds have been renewed. When we long to do what is revealed in Scripture, that's when we know our hearts or minds are truly changed. Folks, the reason I'm hammering this so hard is because there is a false gospel being taught in North American megachurches, the Protestant prosperity gospel. It's something like that. And they're not only deceiving others, they're deceiving themselves. Incompetence and ignorance is equally lethal to our souls outside of intentional falsehoods even. Accidental falsehoods or intentional falsehoods are equally as, as deadly. And, and that's why James tells us, I think it's chapter 5, forgive me if it's not James chapter 5, but he says, people who teach will be judged more harshly. So the reason I'm hitting this so hard is because it is in fact the great lie from the father of lies in this modern North American evangelical Protestant church who, who misteaches Paul in Scripture. Now, if you're, if you're in a church that doesn't misteach Paul and doesn't misteach Scripture and you still fall under the category of like evangelical or Protestant, good for you, man. If you're in a church that teaches Scripture properly, excellent. But there are so many churches who misteach not only Christ's ministry about the law, but also Paul's ministry about the law. So we have to stay on guard because there's many false teachers who seek to tickle our ears to keep us in church rather than help us become sanctified. So what we have to do is study the written word of God, test the speech of pastors, ensure pastors know the purpose of grace, ensure pastors know what faith truly is, which is pistis in the Greek. I have taught you the purpose of grace and the four pillars of faith as it has been revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. Please. Please keep it close to your heart so we can properly demonstrate our love for Christ. Satan puts the fear of God in front of us, blocking our path. But wisdom puts the fear of God behind us, propelling us forward to be faithful servants of Christ. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.